Welcome to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Episode 3. My name is Mark Holthy, and I'm an immigration lawyer with Holthy Tillman in the beautiful province of Alberta, Canada. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the Express Entry Program that will be starting in January of 2015. As everyone is preparing for the program, this podcast is designed to give you tips and strategies on how to prepare now so that you're ready when the program opens up to submit your application. The title of the podcast is the top five things that you need to prepare now to increase your chance of early selection. Just recently, Citizenship and Immigration Canada finally released the criteria that they are using to assess candidates who are applying under the Canada Experience, uh, the Canadian Express Entry process. For the most part, we now have a pretty good idea what they're going to be looking for when they're uh, extending invitations to apply, or ITAs, to foreign nationals who are applying and submitting their profiles into the Express Entry pool. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time going over the general program. There are uh, an unbelievable amount of resources out in the public domain already that talk about the Express Entry program. And so I don't intend to do that. Um, The best location for information and resources on the Express Entry program is actually Citizenship and Immigration Canada's main website. Um, If you check my show notes Um, that are attached to this podcast, I'll have a number of different links that you can access to find these resources. The Express Entry website contains a lot of excellent information, both directed towards employers and foreign workers or foreign nationals who are looking at utilizing this, um, this process of obtaining permanent resident status in Canada. There is also a link now to the comprehensive ranking system that will be used by the government when they are um, essentially ranking individuals against others within the pool to select what they determine to be the best and the brightest and the most um, the most applicable to our current uh, labor market needs. I've also provided a link within the show notes to the regulations that are proposed and stipulate uh, basically the, the the legal foundation for the express entry program. Now, obviously, um, not everybody is into statutory interpretation and reading uh, the laws as they're drafted um, in statutory form. Don't get me wrong. Um, as a lawyer, I definitely don't enjoy reading those. But the reality is my clients expect me to do it, and so I do in order to stay on top of everything. And in fact, as far as I'm concerned, um, having understanding of the laws that really drive immigration is critical to practice immigration law with any degree of competence. So um, there is a link there for those of you who are into that kind of thing. Uh, But ultimately right now, for looking for general information, the CIC website is really good. In other podcasts to come, I'll address more factors related to um, the comprehensive ranking system, including ways in which to improve your score 
uh, with respect to the human capital factors and the skill transferability factors, which I won't get into a lot of detail here, but those are some of the factors the government um, looks at uh, when they're determining um, which candidates they want to select for the program. With the temporary foreign worker cap uh, quickly approaching on April the 1st of 2015, I think the only thing that really matters to foreign workers that are currently working in Canada, at least those who are in skill level B positions, is how they can apply and what they need to do to get in as quickly as possible so that they can find a way to stay here, especially when their work permits are capping out uh, or their employers, if they're in the food service industry or other service-oriented industries, um, if, they, uh, if their employers are employing more than 10% foreign workers, then their permits are not able to be extended either. So there's a number of people that are looking at ways in which they can apply through this new express entry process. But uh, at the end of the day, um, this particular podcast is going to be focused on the things that we need to do right now to get ready so that when that program is released in January, that you will be ready to submit your application right away and hopefully get selected within the first uh, the first selection process. <clears throat> With some of the employer outreach uh, meetings that I've attended lately, they are um, indicating that the first draw from the uh, from the express entry pool will likely occur at the end of January. So if you want to get your application in, um, I'm going to cover a few of the most important things that I feel you need to do right now before we even really know uh, what they're going to be requesting when the application uh, process is officially released. Now as I scan through the web and I look at all the resources out there, it's absolutely amazing all of the uh, marketing strategies that are popping up all all over the internet. I was searching just the other day Express Entry and it took me to this site and um, I couldn't even tell if it was CIC or whether it was some other organization. Um, but there was a box to click and you could register and provide your information. Um, allegedly, I guess, to this organization so that they could uh, start the process of preparing for express entry. But at the end of the day, it took me a little while to to dig back until I realized that it, it wasn't Citizenship and Immigration Canada, but it was some other anonymous site. And uh, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable um, how many different resources, whether they are uh, videos or um, infographics uh, describing the process or, or fancy websites, um, it's quite amazing. Um, but one thing I would advise as you're going through this process, and if you are someone who's looking at the Express Entry Program, be careful who you use. Ultimately, I've always felt that if a website is advertising their expertise with respect to Canadian immigration and there is no link directly to the professional, whether it's a consultant or lawyer, who will be acting on your behalf, I would be very wary. Um, Alternatively, many websites boast the number of years of experience that the firm has. The fact of the matter is, whether you're a lawyer or consultant, and your firm has 5,000 years of experience in immigration, um, essentially, if the paralegals or the support staff are the ones that are completing the applications, 
and there's no direct oversight or ongoing training from that particular lawyer or consultant down to their support staff, well, that vast experience that they're boasting really isn't going to help you in any, in any event. So choose wisely, uh, not cheaply, is probably the best way to look at it. Now, um, like I said, I was pretty amazed with some of the amazing resources that are out there. And in, particu- in particular, uh, some of the professional videos that have been produced by, by some of my colleagues out east are quite impressive. And in fact, as I was watching them, I was thinking to myself, boy, CIC should adopt these and put them on the official Express Entry website because they do an excellent job of explaining from a 10,000 foot level how the program is supposed to work. So as I sit here late this evening doing this podcast, feeling a little bit of uh, website, I guess, website slash video envy, um, wondering to myself, how is my awesome little law firm going with our, with our simple little website going to compete with these slick marketing, marketing campaigns of, of these larger, uh, sophisticated competitors? And as I've thought about that a lot, uh, I've come to realize that, you know, it probably doesn't even matter. You know, I probably don't even have to compete with them at all. And, and realistically, I couldn't. I don't have the resources to do it. So instead, what I'm going to do is continue to focus on what I do best. And that is providing inform- informative blogs and um, releasing useful podcasts that actually give information that you can use uh, to help you manage uh, and work your way through this immigration process. Um, uh, I also have, and I'll, I'll let you know now at this time, that there is a separate Canadian Immigration Answers podcast that I created. And uh, I realized that <clears throat> it probably made more sense to have a separate podcast just to answer all those questions that I get, and then reserve this one to talk about more higher level strategic um, information <clears throat> regarding the, the changes that Citizenship and Immigration Canada is is making to all of their various permanent and, and temporary immigration programs. So, um, so that is my goal. And hopefully, if you like what you hear, and uh, you get the idea that I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, uh, then you'll have a, a lot greater desire to, uh, to consider booking a consult with our firm and using us. But at the end of the day, the goal behind this podcast and the other, um, the other blogs that I write and information that I provide is to allow people who want to do it themselves the opportunity to get some free advice and free information. And I'll just put the disclaimer out there. This is general information. It's not to be utilized uh, for uh, or intended to be um, legal advice because every, every person's circumstances are different. And uh, the, the only real way that proper legal advice can be given and relied upon um, is if the specific details of, of that person or, or your immigration situation is discussed um, in, in a consultation form. So I put that out there. If you're interested in booking a consult with me at any time, just go to our website, uh, ht-llp.com. That's ht-llp.com. <clears throat> and follow the links and, uh, and, and set up a consult. I'd be happy to discuss any of your immigration needs. So enough of me talking about myself and uh, um, you know going out of my way to plug our firm. Let's get right into these top five things that you must do really at this stage 
if you have any hope of increasing your chances of getting drawn quickly through the express entry process. So April 1st, 2015 is the four-year cap for a lot of people. But as I indicated, not just uh, those that have been in Canada for four years, but also those who are employed with companies that uh, up until the uh, the overhaul of the foreign worker program in June of this past year um, had a greater proportionate of foreign workers than allowed. So essentially 10% is the limit. Any companies that have more than that, uh, they're not going to be able to extend the work permits and obtain new labor market impact assessments for their employees. Okay, so the first thing, you must apply immediately for any critical third-party supporting documentation. So in other words, these are documents that are outside of your control in terms of how fast you can get them. Um, some of the examples that, uh, that, that come to mind immediately are the language test results. And so we know uh, when it comes time to, to apply for the Express Entry Program, we need to have um, our language, our English language capabilities assessed. The government has sanctioned on the English side two, um, two organizations to administer these tests. The first is the Canadian English Language Proficiency Index Program, commonly known as CELPIP. And the other is the International English Language Testing System, or IELTS. So uh, with each of those, the general test is the one that, uh, that you would take. And also within my show notes, I've got some links to uh, some sample tests and uh, for both of those, um, those organizations. Ultimately, you have to remember that if you're trying to get into express entry and you know you need language testing and everybody else is trying to get in as well, each of these third-party sources are going to be inundated. So don't wait until January the 1st. Once you know for sure what's required, we know English will be. So go ahead, get that test, book it quickly. It will be valid for up to two years, so do it now and then you'll have it and you won't have to worry about it later. And it will save you time. And this is what we're trying to do. Collect the information that we need as much as possible in advance so that when January the 1st rolls around, you'll be ready to hit the pavement running and be ahead of all the other ones racing to get their applications in. Okay, so all underneath this third party, the first one, which is is obtaining the third party supporting documentation, First is the language test results. Second is the educational credential assessment. So right now, the Federal Skilled Worker Program is really the only one that specifically requires these ECAs, or educational credential assessments. However, if you want to obtain more points under the human capital factors of express entry, you really need to get your credentials assessed. And right now... um, uh, the processing times with some of these testing locations has really climbed over the last little stretch. And so we're looking at up to three or four months with some of them in order to obtain that ECA. Now our latest experience, and I've provided a list within my show notes, there's lots of links within there that will take you directly to the source of information. I'm not going to regurgitate it here. I'm not going to uh, basically restate everything that's on the government website. My goal is to give you practical tips and show you where to find the information. But uh, within that list of uh, designated organizations, the one that we found uh, tends to turn things around the quickest right now is the World Education Services. So it may be a quicker option. However, you need to shop around. 
And uh, ultimately, if you're in a situation where money isn't the biggest issue, but time is everything, um, please call around, ask for processing times. And if you're just not sure, um, there's nothing preventing you from, from making that request for an ECA uh, from multiple organizations. So that's a possible consideration too. And then obviously, if you, it would be expected that the assessments that you get back are going to be comparable. I would hope so. But in the event they're not, then I guess you'd take the one that's most favorable to you. All right, the next third-party uh, document is a police clearance. So depending on the countries where, where, you, uh, where you need clearances from, uh, processing times can be pretty high. So take a quick look and, and, uh, and reach out to the organizations and get that started immediately. Obviously, if you have filed your application, or at least you've expressed an interest and submitted your profile into the express entry pool, if you're given an ITA, you have only uh, 60 days to get your permanent resident application filed. So there isn't time for you to really start requesting police clearances at that late hour especially when you're trying to get permanent residence as quickly as possible because you're capping out on your work permit. So what you need to do is start the process now. If it's going to take a number of months to get it, at least keep copies of all of the efforts you've made to request it. So if there's an application form, keep a copy of what you sent to the police authority. You can then use that uh, evidence to support the fact that you've made the application and it's our understanding that CIC will accept that if they've seen that you've already applied and you're just waiting. But if you've done nothing and you reach the police clearance stage of your application, then uh, and you're scrambling to get the police clearance, if you run out of time, you're going to get bounced right back into the pool and maybe not even get drawn again. So there's a link uh, within the show notes as well to police uh, to the CIC website. Um, where it's the basic um, information on obtaining police clearances for various jurisdictions all throughout the world. The last third-party document is an immigration medical. Uh, These immigration medicals are valid for a year. So with Express Entry um, holding out that they will turn an application around in less than six months, it makes perfect sense to move forward and get that immigration medical and do an upfront medical right now. Remember that immigration medicals have to be obtained from uh, a designated panel physician within CIC. So CIC has identified uh, doctors all around the world and they are specifically trained to do immigration medicals and have the resources to electronically transmit those results to CIC. So go to the uh, show notes. There's a global list of those panel physicians and find the one that's closest to you. Start booking appointments immediately because the, the reality is just like all of these other things, the more people that apply, the longer the processing times and you're going to have a lot harder time uh, booking um, an appointment for a, for a medical if there's a thousand other people trying to do so as well. So book now. So that is tip one. A pretty pretty uh, comprehensive tip. Next, number two, is to start collecting your civil status documents. Now, when I think about civil status documents, the ones that comes to mind right off the bat are birth certificates. Normally, you would think that birth certificates would not be a big issue. However, when you think about it, 
foreign workers that are here in Canada often do not require a birth certificate necessarily to apply for a work permit. Their passport is sufficient. So while you're here in Canada, and if you've been here for a number of years, sometimes it might be difficult to get that birth certificate. In fact, some countries um, do not even issue birth certificates in the way that CIC likes to see them. So it's really important that you take whatever steps you need to right now to either uh, locate your birth certificate right away, um, request help from family or friends in your home country to to uh, to obtain access to one, or if need be, which is sometimes the case, uh, you need to order a new one, and this takes time. So I recommend that you do that immediately. And this also applies to marriage certificates as well. So birth certificate and a marriage certificate, if applicable, get on those right away. The next civil status document are passports. Now you'd think, what's the big deal with the passport? I have my passport. We'll check the expiry date. On occasion, we're just about ready to file a permanent resident application for a client when we realize that the passport was expiring in just a few months. Well, obviously, CIC requires that passports be at least six months at the time of visa issuance. So if your passport is going to be expiring in one year or less, I'd strongly encourage you that you start taking steps to extend it or to renew it. Um, Ultimately, we know CIC is going to be super strict with these express entry uh, applications. And if you've gone through the process, entering your profile into the express entry pool, you were lucky enough to obtain uh, an invitation to apply, and then you submit a permanent resident application only to have it rejected, because your passport is not valid long enough, uh, that would be just a terrible shame. So make sure that you don't leave any stone unturned when it comes to to ensuring that your application is complete. The consequences can be devastating, especially if you were counting on that permanent resident application to go through so that you could potentially qualify for a bridging work permit before your existing permit expired. Now, um, as I indicated before, uh, you often will only have 60 days to file your permanent resident application. And so once that ITA is is granted or extended to you, you really have to move quickly because otherwise you just will not have enough time to meet the deadlines. Now, some people may say, oh, I know someone who was able to submit uh, um, a copy of their existing passport that was going to be expiring and then um, indicate that to CIC that they would provide uh, a copy of the new passport once it was obtained. And in the past, without a doubt, we did that all the time. But I just want to emphasize how strict they have told us at all of my national executive committee meetings with the CBA and other organizations. They have repeatedly instructed to us that they are going to be very strict. So gone are the days where if something was deficient, they would send a letter to you telling you what was deficient and holding the application. Now, if there's something wrong with it, if you forgot a birth certificate, if you didn't include um, you know, the, the, the proper um, language assessment with your application, it will be returned and you will put, be put back into the pool and who knows, maybe by that time the quality of candidates will have increased And that pass mark to be selected may be beyond you. 
So we're talking about, this is a really, really serious time when it comes to immigration, especially given the consequences for foreign workers that are going to be capping out. Okay, third thing, third tip, or I should say the third top uh, thing that you can do is to start collecting your reference letters. We know that we need those reference letters to support our permanent resident applications. And that's whether it's under the Canada Experience class, the Federal Skilled Worker, or Federal Skilled Trade programs. And in all honesty, even the provincial nominee programs, those that support skilled workers through employer-driven streams. So collect your reference letters. Remember that each program, whether it's CEC, Federal Skilled Worker, Federal Skilled Trade, that each of them have little differences within what they want to see in those reference letters. If you go to the show notes once again, and you'll be able to see links to the various document checklists, follow those document checklists explicitly. We have seen CIC refuse to accept reference letters when they have been deficient of those specific things that they want to see in them. Now, I won't go into detail as to how those letters are supposed to look. You can go to the document checklist and and look at them. Uh, But just make sure that you, uh, if you know which program, which permanent resident program you're ultimately shooting for, follow that checklist and get those those reference letters in place. Um, Like I said, given the consequences, once again, you just don't want to take a chance. Now, it's possible that CIC could change those document checklists after the new Express Entry program has been uh, launched. However, it's pretty unlikely because they have told us in our meetings that, uh, and within all of the materials they published on their websites, that the basic permanent resident programs will not change. It's just the imposition of this Express Entry scheme um, on at the front end to allow them to choose who they want to apply for permanent residence. Now, with these reference letters, we also have uh, some other concerns. Um, Part of the requirement when you're applying under these economic classes is to show that you're working in a skilled occupation. So this is something that I haven't yet addressed, but if you're working in a low-wage or low-skill, I should say, occupation, you will not be eligible to participate through express entry. So, food counter attendants, general construction laborers, or trades helpers, these types of positions, um, you know, uh, general farm laborers, will not be eligible to apply through express entry. You'll have to turn to whatever provincial program may be available to you. So, with this process, and knowing that you have to be working in a skilled occupation, Immigration Canada requires you to tell them which one you think it is. There's a little bit of confusion with this. They use the National Occupational Classification Code, which is a comprehensive database uh, of all of the positions that people could fill across the country. Um, You have to select which position matches the job you're currently filling. Now, the confusion lies with the fact that there is a 2006 NOC and a 2011 NOC. Remember that CIC uses the 2011 NOC for the purposes of express entry. So when you're trying to track down which position matches yours, don't just simply rely on the the NOC code placed in your uh, labor market impact assessment confirmation if you have one. Don't just rely on that because um, ESDC 
And the temporary foreign worker program uses the 2006 NOC. Now you'll ask, well, why is that? Why does the government uh, on per- for permanent applications use the 2011 NOC and for temporary work permit applications use the 2006 NOC? Well, the answer to that question is really money, resources. The temporary foreign worker program was all of the internal um, software that they used to generate LMIA confirmations was all built and engineered based on the old 2006 NOC. And the cost of switching over to the 2011 at this stage just didn't make sense. So it was going to cost too much for the benefit. So we now have to deal with two separate NOCs and knowing which of them applies to what we're trying to accomplish when we're accessing the Canadian immigration process. So be careful with that. Now the final one um, that I will um, identify, at least the final concern with reference letters, is the fact that your position truly has to match the position within the NOC. So how do you identify properly which one it is that fits for you? Well, the law and the regulations, the Immigration and Refugee Protection Regulations, specifically state that if you want the position to match, you must be able to demonstrate that you performed the action set out in the lead statement for the occupation, as well as a substantial number of the main duties listed for that occupation um, as it's set out in the description uh, on the NOC website. So you need to take a close look at that lead statement because you need to have completed all of those things that apply and then a substantial number of the main duties. If your position departs too far away from the position you feel is the match, then you're probably off base and will need to look for a different one. Um, This is a situation where we've seen a lot of refusals under the Canada Experience class because they have not felt the person actually is performing the duties of a skilled worker or the position that they've sought uh, when in actuality they feel they're in more of a low-skill position. So be careful and remember that if the duties don't match, there's a good chance, well, a strong likelihood that the permanent resident application you've just filed is going to be refused. Uh, this process is not easy. It's it's technical. It's difficult. So pay close attention to it and uh and follow the links, once again, that I have in my show notes. All right. Um, Here's the fourth thing that you can do. Complete the existing PR application forms now. Okay, you're probably saying, well, isn't this supposed to be an electronic system, so why am I completing the paper application forms? Well, the reality is there is a significantly good chance that the information you're collecting to fill in the forms now whether it's through the CEC or the FSW or FST, regardless, that the forms you're filling for these are going to be very similar to um, the information that will be contained in the new electronic filing system. So if you take the time to go through and search out your history and and uh, look back at where you've lived for the past 10 years and your travel history, Um, If you go through that process, and trust me, it will take time if you've moved around a lot, um, you'll then be in a far better position to simply transcribe from those forms right into the electronic application process, 
uh, which will obviously save you time and get you in faster than people that haven't. Now, if you're anything like me, it will take you quite a while to figure out exactly all the addresses you've lived at for the past 10 years. And uh, that will take time. So if you do with it, if you do this work now, you'll be in a really, really good position. Um, within the show notes, I've included links to the application forms for each of those three categories, CEC, FSW, and F- uh, FST. Now the last one. And this one is once again self-serving. And it's a shameless plug for hiring our law firm. But the reality is, if you are running out of time, you really should consider hiring an authorized representative to help you. Um, I recognize that uh, you know the, the whole purpose of me doing this is to encourage you to, to consider hiring our firm. But even if you don't choose to, to engage us, Um, and you're running out of time, understand that that cap is coming quick and any little mistake that you make is going to be the difference between staying in Canada or having to go home. Now, in most cases, foreign workers here, are you're currently working full-time. And this may be the very first time that you've ever applied for permanent residence status in Canada. So, like I said, it goes without saying that you can't afford to get it wrong. Um, By hiring an authorized representative, at least someone that's competent to do it, um, they can be working on your behalf. They know or should know the system and the basic uh, information inside and out and can make sure that your application is submitted properly, vetted properly, and uh, that it is filed as soon as practical. Now, Obviously, you'll want to speak with that firm and make sure you've locked down some hard deadlines when things need to be uh, need to be done. But uh, by engaging an authorized rep, um, sometimes it can help considerably with getting things filed quicker, just because they know the ins and outs. Um, obviously, uh, when you do applications yourself, sometimes you think you've done everything right. And when it comes to filing within the, uh, the express entry pool, you could very well have completed what you needed to do and, uh, and gotten, you know, got your, your profile accepted within the pool, but you may have missed out on some critical human capital or skill transferability points without even knowing it. And these points could have made the difference between being extended an ITA or languishing in the pool until it's simply too late and you have to return home. So that's my fifth uh, my fifth tip and uh, I think it's probably as valuable as all of the previous four. But uh, ultimately the purpose of this blog, the blog that I wrote um, on this specific topic and this podcast is to give you um, some resources that you can use to do it yourself. Um, ultimately My goal is to, at the same time, demonstrate to those who are interested in hiring an immigration representative that I know what I'm doing and that our firm does. Uh, So if you want to learn more about our services, what we offer, the various types of uh, ways we can support you, um, go to our website at ht-llp.com and send me a message. Um, Alternatively, if you do just have a couple quick questions or 
questions that are of a general nature, then go to our Ask a Question portal and you can type in your information there or you can click on the sidebar and leave a voice message for me uh, on the Ask an Immigration Question tab. I will respond to these questions in uh, my other podcast entitled Canadian Immigration Answers. And uh, I will try to answer those frequently as um, I often find people ask similar questions. So that's another free resource that we're trying to give out to people that maybe can't afford to hire a lawyer and still need assistance. And there are a lot of you out there. I know there are. Um, If you have specific questions or immigration problems that need immediate attention, then it's probably best that you contact our office uh, and book a consult and and fork over the $100 for a uh, a 30-minute consult. Understand that long before that consult, I will give you an intake form. You'll complete it. You'll send it to me, and I will review it before our meeting so that that 30 minutes is used to the absolute uh, most efficient um, manner possible. And uh, obviously stay tuned for future blogs um, and future podcasts on express entry and a wide variety of other Canadian immigration topics. So this concludes this third episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Uh, don't forget to, um, to subscribe to it on iTunes and also to the Canadian Immigrant Immigration Answers podcast. Uh, we'd also encourage you to like us on Facebook and connect with me through LinkedIn and follow me on Twitter. Uh, this is Mark Holthy, a partner with Holthy Tillman LLP, and I look forward to our next podcast. <laughs>